Hello, and welcome to Boss Talks, a weekly podcast where we chat with the bosses of the multifamily industry. Who are these bosses? They might be a manager of many, a leader with no title, or just passionate about what they do. Join our host, Evan Happel, Director of Marketing at Community Boss, as he talks with this week's guest. I'm Evan Happel with Community Boss and your host of Boss Talks. This is episode 73. We have a great guest today. Lizette Perez. She's out of Orlando, Florida. She has recently been promoted to the regional vice president of American Landmark. So I'm super excited for her and excited for all the things she's going to continue to do with this company. I know that she's been with them a while and is just doing some great things in the state of Florida and in Orlando specifically. But her area covers beyond Florida. She's in some states above because American Landmark is spread out all over that Southeast region. But before we get to our episode today, I want to share a little bit about who Community Boss is. We are a software company. We help manage the physical spaces of your community. We help generate revenue and really touch on every aspect, whether it's your parking, your amenities, and then wrapping it up with some wonderful maps we can really generate revenue and make it a better place to live and experience by your residents and easier to manage by your managers. So if you have any questions about that, let me know. I'd love to answer those. And you can always go to our website, communityboss.com and get a demo if you want. But today, no more about that. We're bringing Lizette to the show. Thank you for having me in. Absolutely. I had the great privilege of meeting you at NAA this last year in Georgia, in Atlanta. And I believe it was Lori, right? Yes, that is Okay. That was a fire hose of meeting people for the first time that I've talked to and people I've never talked to. Got to keep it all straight. (laughs) But it was a good time and it was really great to meet you. And not only am I going to talk to you now, I'm going to be able to talk to you and Lori and a few others in, I think, a couple months. I can't remember exactly when we have it scheduled, but we're going to talk about a great thing y'all started. Do you want to explain what you got going on? So Joelis started a group called Latinas and PN, and this is really just geared towards Latin women overall in the workplace and kind of the things that we have been dealing with and really to empower Latinas in particularly to take on leadership roles, to provide resources for both Latinas women and Latinos in the specific field of multifamily. So she started this group. I'm a part of the advisory board to really help meet the need that we need a voice for ourselves. But in conjunction to the work ethic that we have and the leadership style that we have as a culture and what we can bring of value to the different corporations and the companies that we work for. That's awesome. And you being that you just got promoted are a great representation of somebody that's moving up the ladder and is also a great example to others so that they can see them in places of influence and leadership. So I love what you guys are doing. Yes, definitely correct. And that's exactly um, what we want to show the representation of you can climb the corporate ladder and seeing a Latina or a person of color in higher positions and having someone to look up to, to say, what career path did they do? What resources did they utilize? What networking did they do to get to the place that they're at? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. And I've seen some of your guys' events that you've had thus far. They've seemed to be very 
successful and you guys did a great job putting them on. I saw the balloon arches and the pictures and oh, all yeah. the things. So <laughs> thank you so much. You actually are. It's great that you guys are trying to do it well and do it with quality as well. So that's really cool. Yeah. True testament to Joalista. She gets all of the things done, gets everything organized. And as the advisory board, we help and aid that support for her. Um, but it's actually crazy to think about. This was just an idea that she had. And when she got the advisory, to, advisory board together, within a few months, we did our first actual event. And the amount of people that came out, we were all like, whoa, we did not expect it to be like this. Because we all, I feel like everyone knew that their need was there, but to see the necessity of it was absolutely mind-blowing. And then event after event, we've continued to grow and develop in many different ways. That's awesome. Tied to kind of development, some of the topics that we're going to discuss today really hone in and on that, having a leadership mindset and really embracing the fact that millennials are now yes. in leadership positions. I know all those people that are maybe older, been in the marketplace for a while, have always been afraid of the millennials or not understood the millennials or whatever it is. But we are, we are of age. I'm approaching 40 and I am a millennial. I am right. an elder millennial, I like to say. So we are leaders. We are yes. in the industry. And obviously we're doing work and we're not lazy. So let's get that out. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with you, Evan. So it's so funny because we have the stigma, right, of millennials coming into the workplace. We're going to be lazy. We were the participation trophy winners. Like we were, we just want everything handed to us. And every generation, as the next generation comes along, has their stigmas. But I agree with you because here I am to say, millennials, we are hardworking. We're here to stay. And now that we're taking on leadership roles, now is the chance and the opportunity for us to truly make a difference from what we've seen historically and people in leadership, which we have the Gen X and the baby boomers that have trailed that path for us to be in leadership roles. But then now looking forward with Gen Ys and the doomers that are there and Gen Alphas that are coming up, what we can do to really bridge the gap between the two. Yeah, we can get into that even further. But before I do, I want to cover the last topic. It was servant leadership and really the idea of COVID killed a lot of things, including oh, social interactions in the workplace, being in person together and getting away from a lot of the things that were good beforehand, that we've gotten lazy, to be honest. And so we'll get into that as well. But before we get any further, I would love to just ask you a few questions. And first of which is when it comes to your personal and professional life, how is it that you like to build community? So interestingly enough, the reason, the way I like to build community is by serving others, which is why I'm super passionate about it. We've definitely lost sight, like you said, because of COVID. It, I like to say that we've put our blinders on and when we've put our blinders on, we only see things that serve ourselves and everything present day, there's self-help books, there's everything's about me and everything has to be about me. There's not even an industry in the books that are about serving others per se. And as humanity, we've lost sight of that. So the way I serve others and my community is by doing just that, just making sure every single day I'm a servant to someone else, whether that's within um, my company or whether that's, I'm just going to the grocery store, I'm going out. It's shocking how just saying good morning to someone or just helping someone really changes their day and perspective on life overall. We hear a lot of times when you see someone doing something good for someone else, oh, it restores the faith in humanity. 
Well, if everyone had a mindset of just serving one person, there wouldn't have to be restoration in humanity because it would happen organically. So that's how I try to make it a point every single day um, to serve at least one person because that naturally then I'm serving my community and then I'm serving myself because there's nothing that feels better than knowing that you make a difference in someone's life. And that's really what my why is. And that's what I want to do. That's great. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if we all just did something nice for even just one, one or two people every day, maybe the same two people and then add a couple because people outside your family. <laughs> Correct. That is right. That's the way to do it. But yes, we should be kinder to each other. And there isn't a time, especially in our country and around the world, that we need that more than ever is right now. So I agree more with you. And just if you just start with one person, whether you're saying like you're saying the same person or changing it up every single day, you will see the difference in what it makes not only to society as a whole, but to you. Because the feeling that you get and knowing that when someone responds back, like, oh, thank you. Yes, you have a good morning too. That's like that their smile is on their face. It's like, man, I impacted that person and I made them smile. And you go away with the, a sense of gratitude that I felt like we've lost in the society that we're in today. For sure. All right, people, let's just be nice to each other. Be kind. Please. Yes. All right. So tied to being kind to a person, if you were to have somebody over for dinner and really amping up the hospitality, what is it that you would make for them for a meal? I'm, I would normally go with a Latina dish, but I would do chicken alfredo. I love Italian food at heart, but first we'd have to have the salad because you have to always have an appetizer. Have to start with the salad. And I just think of having a nice salad to start with, have them sit down, being of service to them, starting off with maybe a soup paired with it, having chicken alfredo because I feel like you just can't go wrong with chicken alfredo. And then making sure there's also dessert. So it's like a full fourth course meal because... I want to be able to engage in conversation with them when they are over. So I want to, what Latinas we do is we overfeed people, but okay. more importantly, we also, the level of hospitality that we learn from very young on that we give, people will be in our houses for hours on end. And that's exactly what I'm wanting to bring back is that human interaction and having those conversations. Because when you can have someone at your house for hours because you're serving them, the conversations that come out of that and the wisdom that you learn from that is invaluable. Absolutely. And what is that dessert you would serve? I probably would do a tiramisu just because it's chicken alfredo and it got to be on theme, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything has to be on theme with each other. Do you make it or do you just buy it? Oh, no, no, definitely. I make the chicken alfredo, the tiramisu. I got to order it out because it has to be, it has to be so delicious. So I don't want to mess that up at all. I don't know how to make tiramisu, so I would <laughs> definitely be buying it. And I'm pretty sure Costco has it on the ready. So that's probably. I know. I can't go wrong with Costco. <laughs> That's true. And then finally, when it comes to your caffeinated beverage of choice, i.e. Oh. coffee, what is your go-to beverage? Evan, I have a New Year's resolution to give up this okay. beverage. It's Pepsi. So I'm, I know oh. there's a great debate of the Coke and the Pepsi. I'm a Pepsi girl. And okay. my New Year's resolution, it's I'm 10 days into the year and I have yet to drink Pepsi. I'm trying to substitute it for water because I do need to drink more water. But it's definitely a Pepsi, a nice, fresh Pepsi out of the can. Man, it just does something. Ice but cold. I'm giving it up. Oh, yes, for All right. sure. All right. So since you're giving up Pepsi, what's a? do you like coffee? Yes. I don't drink coffee every day, which is crazy okay. to think that I'm not an avid coffee drinker. But when I do go to Starbucks, I am a chai tea latte type, type of girl. Oh, okay. Nice. That's great. All right. We have a lot of chai folks out there. Yes. There's been quite a few people that have said chai. So 
You're not in the minority. Maybe there needs to be a chain that just focuses on chai oh and tea, yeah. tea drinks because it's yes. all coffee, right? They sell, yeah. yeah. Take my money right now. I, I would, oh. It would be definitely for me. Then I'd really give up Pepsi. Look at that. I've been, that's the solution. Someone please yeah. come up with it. So I can yeah. give up and we'll tea. pretend like it's healthier. <laughs> that's right. It makes me feel better at night. Oh, it's tea. It's tea. It's, great. it's tea. <laughs> it's good for you. Yeah. There's no sugar in it or anything. No, not at all. It's healthy. <laughs> Hello. Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for joining us. And happy new year. Yes. If you have any questions for me, for Lizette, through this conversation, if you have comments, kudos, whatever you want to add, yeah. be sure to add them into the comments. It's always fun to see how you guys are reacting and feeling about what we're talking about. So before we get into the topics that you brought up and that you're passionate about, I would love for people to know a little bit more about you and your trajectory, where you grew up, how you got in this industry, what's motivated you to stay here. Because this industry isn't always easy. That's right. Especially when you're on site. So you made it through that part of your career. Yes, survivor. <laughs> and now, but now you're supporting people that are on site. So anyways, I want to just, I personally want to know more about you as a person and your yeah, so interestingly enough, born and raised in New Jersey, moved over to Florida to get away from the cold, as we were discussing earlier. Florida is not as cold as everywhere else, but we hit the 50s, y'all, and Ooh. it felt cold, that's for sure. So I actually got into the industry because I was studying at UCF for nursing, so that's why naturally my heart is in servitude. But then when a friend reached out and said, here, there's a job opportunity available. I've never lived in an apartment. So I didn't even know that this industry existed. And I was like, let me give it a shot. So I interviewed, got the job. And then when I seen the amount of money you can make in the industry and have a set schedule as opposed to working in the ER and the three, sh uh, three day shifts at 12 hours. Once I did my internship, uh, I was like, this is not for me. I was bringing home everything that I was experiencing and I got in the industry and I was like, let me change my major. So I was one of those that changed their major. And from when I was very young, I was like, I was always going to be a nurse. It was no ands, ifs, or buts. So I changed my major and I was like, I wasn't going to be that person. I was that person. And I have never looked back. I absolutely love that I did it. I changed it to business management. I finished in the entire time I was in college, working full-time, college full-time. I pledged a sorority as well. And I had to restart because everything that I learned and had for nursing, I couldn't use for business management. So I did it. I fell in love with the industry. It's one of those, if you love it, and then if you hate it, I fell in love. And I've been in the industry ever since. I've worked my way up from leasing agent. This year is going to be, what, 13 years? From leasing agent all the way up to assistant, property manager, district manager, regional manager, and now regional vice president. I've worked at properties where... We literally had no maintenance. I was punching units. I was cleaning the pools. I was, and I'm so thankful that I went through those things in this industry. And I tell people all the time, it's so valuable what you take away. Cause when I bought my first house, I was able to change out my blinds. I was able to change out my door locks. I can change a running toilet cause it's the flapper. But I've learned these things cause of this industry. And that's why I absolutely love it. Cause I can always take away something new from it every single day. So I, fell in love and I've been here ever since and I've grown throughout. And when people ask me that I think I was going to be in this position, no, I didn't even 
think that I was going to grow in the industry because it was something that I was so new to. But the one thing that I've remained consistent in is serving others. And that's what really has set me apart as a leader. And that's why I'm a huge advocate on servant leadership, because in my opinion, it's truly the secret sauce and it makes a difference not only in your life, but in the lives of others. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And yes, it is interesting that you went from being in a major like healthcare and (laughs) to property management. Now, at what point of school did you make that decision? I was in my 20s, so 21. Yeah, 21. So you were pretty far along in college. Oh, don't. Let's not. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. That's why it hurt. It took wow. some time to make the decision because like, my family was like, this is what you've said since you was a literal little girl, that you are going to be a nurse and you want to be a doctor. What are you doing? And I was just like, but this industry, like it's different. And they were all like, this is like not a career path, right? Like I was going to school to be on a career path. And it's also why like, yes, which is also why like for Latinas, it's it's not the way culturally we go about things. So it was literally having to tell my family, I will never forget. And to see the level of disappointment and then to be like, I knew that if I graduated with my nursing degree and I continued to pursue healthcare, I was going to eventually be miserable because the takeaway of what you're taking, that level of stress and not being able to have some sort of a work-life balance, I didn't want to do to myself. And I didn't want to be the person that graduated with the degree that I was never going to use. And I mm-hmm. felt literally in love with the industry so much so that I was like, I'm going to go against what everyone is saying, and I'm just going to do this. And I'm going to pray and hope that it works. And here I am today because it did. And now my family's proud of me. Things come full circle because now they're like, oh, now we see. Okay, thanks for the support along the way. And those hard conversations, but glad to definitely be here. No, that's awesome. It's tough, right? There's so many jobs out there and types of jobs. And yeah, it's always funny because parents are always like, you should be a doctor or you should be a firefighter. Yes. But they're just like these set few jobs, like as if these are the only jobs that exist. (laughs) That is correct. The societal norms of what you think is, oh, that's a good paying job, or that's a job to have an accolade or job that you could have a career. There's just many jobs. And as society is shifting and as technology is changing, so many more jobs are opening up as well, which is a beautiful thing, right? We evolve as species and that's what we will continue to do is just culturally, that's the gap, right? That we have to bridge that it it doesn't have to be a doctor. It doesn't have to be a lawyer. It could be an RVP in a management company. It could be a vice president in a technology-driven company. And that's equally okay. And that's equally beautiful and should be celebrated. And to to your passionate plea for the leadership mindset, I think that millennials are going to spot where they've been exposed to those aspects and the change. What is it that you think as a millennial you're bringing to the table in a leadership capacity? So the most beautiful thing about millennials as a whole is we are the what I like to call bridge the gap generation of we remember what it was like to have a Walkman. But then we also were introduced to technology when the iPod, what is it? The little iPod Nano. So we are a very specific type of generation where we know the cassette players. We know what it is to be without technology and appreciate and value that piece. But then we also know the beauty of when you can have technology, right? And how it can work as a resource. We're the only generation that's there because the the generations before us didn't have technology and the generations after us only have technology. 
as a leader, being able to bridge the gap between the mindset of the older generation saying, well, it doesn't have to be technology. You shouldn't have to work from home only. You should come into the office. And the new generation saying, no, I want to work from home the whole time. The millennials could stand in the gap because we're a very empathetic overall generation. Because once again, we had the leaders that were like, you have to come into the office nine to five, no ands, ifs, or buts. PTO, what is that? You got to work around the clock, right? And But this new generation coming in, they're like, we don't want that. That's not what we want. The millennials hold, I would I like to say the secret sauce of we can bridge them together because they're both yeah. beautiful generations that bring about something that society needs as a whole. We need to appreciate and value the worth ethic that older generations have because they have an amazing worth ethic. This is why they were at companies for 10, 15, 20 years and they're retiring. Guess what? You don't see that anymore. Why? Because as they are retiring, the new generation coming in, they're job hopping every year. Oh, millennials, right? It's rough, but millennials really could bridge the gap of the value of both where we, the next generation doesn't need to job hop. Gens don't need to job hop anymore because they can have a leader in place that empathizes with them. They have a leader in place as a millennial that understands to some degree a work-life balance. They have a leader in place that understands that, hey, yeah, you need to come in the office because for society and us being social creatures, it's a necessity. But yeah, you can work from home this day as long as you still get your work done. That balance between understanding the worth ethic and the value of how things are done and why they are done and the value of we can use technology and we can use empathy and we can use the newer mindsets to bridge both of those things together because we're literally the only generation to have both. So yeah. coming into a leadership role and understanding that is the most important part because you have an older generation, right, that are typically stuck in their ways and a newer generation that's really rebuttaling the, but why is it this? And COVID expedited that times 10, right? So mm -hmm. that's why we see so many corporations with, we had this grand resignation. Why? Because social media was presenting a false narrative of just go to do a tech job or work from home. You don't have to go into an office. Why are you doing that? So a lot of people decided to leave their jobs and pursue a passion that they thought were going to make them money. And now we're seeing it shift back where now companies are like, no, we want you guys to come back into the office. And there's this split between what value does coming back into the office bring for me? And two, well, I was just working from home. I didn't waste gas. I didn't waste time. I like just being at home doing my own thing. Now, why do I want to go back into the office? So the millennial leaders are the ones that really can empathize with the future generations, but understand the why and the value from the older generation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it is interesting Thank that you. we are the cassette to CD Walkman to oh player generation. Like we've seen the move from one to the other at yes. a young age and pretty quickly. And I think... It is interesting also to see my parents, they're baby boomers, right? And their hesitancy to embrace technologies, assuming it's yes. too hard to learn, that kind of stuff. That's right. And it's not, it's never actually been hard to learn, but it's like when you don't have exposure to things, there's a fear, right? Like it's always it's fear. It's the fear based. of the unknown. Yes. Yeah. It's the fear of the unknown. It's a real thing. And it's actually, it's embedded in us. So as the older generation, that's why they're not wanting the technology and they don't embrace the change. And then the younger generation that is so much more explorative and so much more curious and questionable, it's a rough gap because when you have the older generation that was raised on, uh, especially in the workforce, you don't question authority. 
They were raised that way because funny enough, the boomer generations, also known as a silent generation, they were raised by parents that you never questioned. They were right point by right. period. So then when they got into leadership roles, those beneath them, they taught them you cannot question. So then what happened when Gen X came into the leadership roles and now millennials are underneath them? Millennials had a lot of pushback because it was a, but why is this being done this way? Let's work smarter, not harder. And that yeah. was a, a learning curve between those two generations. And now that you have millennials and leadership roles, we are very much so keen to the, let me tell you the reason why. And then the baby boomers that are like, but I don't understand this new generation. I really don't want to learn them because I'm on my way out. The new generation is like, I need you to be here. I want to, I want you to be my therapist. I want you to be everything for me in the workforce. And it's unrealistic. And the reason why it's unrealistic is because the workforce was never meant to be your therapy, to be your best friend. It's a transaction in the sense of you come to work, you get paid to do a job, and then you leave and go home. And what COVID did was COVID stopped the transaction of when you left work, you met up with friends and you vented about work. And that was a necessity as social beings that we needed. COVID took that away. So then what happened? Everyone in the workforce was home. They had no one to vent to. They had no relatability because guess what? The next person who they normally will go have a drink with and be like, oh my gosh, I can't stand my boss. Okay, and then on Monday comes, all right, we're going to do this, guys. That was stripped away from us because COVID took it away. So then people stood home. They got depressed because they couldn't vent because you have to process through stress. And then they stood within themselves. So getting them back out and the value of being able to say, hey, let's go have some drinks and complain about our boss, knowing that the next two days after the weekend is over and done with, we're going to go back at it. We're going to do it again. That creates a level of trust within the employees that has completely been broken because people want to stay home and they can't have those conversations because they're not working together anymore in the workforce. They're all separated. Just as long as they're not venting about you or I, that's all. Oh, no reason. No, there's definitely venting sessions and it's okay because it's needed. Yeah. It's what makes us humans sure. and it's, it's what makes us relatable. And that's what we need to bring back. Because if we foster an environment of authenticity, trust naturally comes and you naturally will have longer employees that are staying with you. And that's what we really need to bring back. We need to bring back employees that want to stay with companies for a tenure, that, but that only comes when they trust their leaders that are above them. Yeah, no, it's true. And when it comes to fostering that sense of like social interaction and stuff, it's going to take us being intentional about oh. it. And some people haven't been so baby stepping back into it. They've been like, no, you're going to come into the office. But at the end of the day, I think there's a happy medium. As a company, we have made the decision to be a remote company, but like this Monday and like once a month, not a, I, my particular group marketing, we come together and meet at our office that never gets used. And just, there is something to be said to work alongside people and to be able to just have conversation through the day. There's a lot of things missed, like creatively, innovation. Okay. If you never really have the ability to just bounce ideas off each other, That's you right. lose all that creativity. You, It's all just siloed individuals that are coming up with stuff. That's 100% correct. And even though we have platforms like Zoom that you can meet together technically virtually, it's not, it doesn't foster an environment of it organically happening. Because on Zoom, right, we're very yeah. polite. No one's going to say, hey, you're not paying attention because you're not looking at the camera and in the middle of a Zoom meeting. But when you're face to face, you're going to see that either they're typing or they're texting and you can call them out. 
So when you have an environment where people can come together, they can do that. And it fosters an environment of creativity because we can bounce ideas off of each other. We're Zoom because there's a level of politeness that comes along with it. You're not calling nobody out on Zoom. It doesn't organically happen. Beyond that, everybody, if you're going to have a meeting on Zoom, like at the office, if you were just around each other, even if you're in cubicles, like bouncing around, talking to each other is okay. But if you were to stay on Zoom for an extended period of time, you'd have a revolt. Like people don't like it. They don't want to. Mm -hmm. It's not like they want to hang out on Zoom and just have a long (laughs) meeting. So it's just, it's hard to do. Now, am I somebody that sometimes does that and just lets meetings go? Yeah, I am. Sorry, everyone. But to a degree, I just like us to be able to chit chat and talk to each other. So because it's natural, it's we're social beings. And that's why COVID really put a halt to that. COVID then it, it did beautiful things in the sense of it really got organizations talking about the restructuring of how we are leading and the value of people. Because I was a true testament to seeing how what companies did. When they're saying that, oh, we care about our people, but then the first thing that you did was furloughed a whole bunch of people because we didn't know the uncertainties of COVID when it first rolled out. Then, no, you really don't care about your people. It's nice to say, but are you really doing it? Who was the priority list of your company? And the companies that didn't do that and just shifted strategies and pivoted and the uncertainties really are companies that will stand the test of time because what COVID showed us was, hey, this conversation needs to be spoken about. The conversation of how people were led now that millennials are coming in and you know we're seeing Gen Zs come in the market, they're not okay with the harsh black and white nine to five. There is no work-life balance. You got to work regardless. Even if you're getting an email after hours, you still are expected to answer it. So it brought about conversations that needed to be had. And it was a beautiful thing. We went to one extreme because, right, everyone, all right, work from home because we had no other options. And now the pendulum is swinging to the other extreme where it's like, well, now we don't want to go back into the office. But exactly like you're saying, Evan, creativity can't flow organically unless you are face-to-face. The value of what's being lost in multiple industries of not having people being able to have a meeting of the minds because you can't do it over Zoom. That's the reality of the matter. And there are some things that are very basic fundamentals that if it's not broke, don't fix it. We really just need to get back to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just like I was sharing with you before, we're, we're shifting how we use some of our marketing people. And one of them, McKenna, she is going to be physically going to communities and building relationships, sharing who we are, answering questions if they have any, but just interacting, getting people to know who we are just from a face-to-face interaction. So Definitely great. I'm super great at that. But that's exactly what the need is now. It's going back to that human to human interaction, the networking piece of that, that's so invaluable, that's needed to get back to. It's like, we, we know that's what should be done, but who's really doing it? And that's really what's going to set each person apart is really going back to those fundamentals of basics of human interaction. Yeah. And so when it comes to your role, you're in a new position. Yes. How is it that you hope to, and maybe you already are, implement things like this to foster more social interaction? So with America Landmark, we're very heavy on on on-site visits at every level from CEO, CFO, RVP. We are on-site a lot because of that human interaction is what's needed. Fostering as a leader, one of the issues with the leadership is, as for instance, I've grown in this industry, no one teaches how to be a leader, right? But in essence, what happens is you mimic the leader that was before you. And there might be some things that are wrong and some things that are right, but no one teaches on leadership in particularly. 
So my goal in this new role is as I take under a region underneath me is to teach him that piece because that was something that was missed for myself within my career path and really honing in on what makes someone a leader and how to lead a team because I can do the regional role really right now. I just came out of it. But my job now as an RVP isn't to do the role, it's to influence people to do their job. So I say all the time, what you speak, you influence. So my responsibility now is to influence them to get an output, right? And then they have to do the same thing to their teams below them. But we don't teach that part. We literally just teach, oh, this is a job that you have to do because it's how we measure metrics. But the invaluable mm-hmm. of metrics that are not necessarily measured is the interpersonal skills. It's the empathy mm-hmm. that millennials are really good at. As a leader, now that I'm in this new role, my responsibility is to create and foster an environment in which my leaders can produce. And that's, I can't do anything about them actually getting the work done, right? Because that's on them. But I can foster the environment where they feel the support. They feel authenticity. They feel like they can come to me for anything. And the most important piece is when they fail, because it's going to happen and I'm going to fail as well. I can be along their side and say, it's okay. We're just going to pivot and we're going to try something new. Because they have to have a level of trust with myself that when they do fail, I'll be there with them. I'm not scolding them. I'm just teaching them. Okay, let's pivot this way. So as a new leader in this role, what my responsibility is and how I'm starting to do that is foster those relationships to build trust because that's the foundation of any leader. And once you build the trust with your teams, then they're automatically and organically going to produce for you because they don't feel like they're walking on eggshells. They're not miserable to come to work. They're not scared they're going to lose their job. So my role is to be able to foster that environment for them. Nice. That's great. So do you guys do as a company anything fun? Oh, yeah. Every region, they go out every single month with their property managers. Because once again, the only way you can foster this relationship is one-on-one with the team, physically one-on-one with the team. So they'll go out. A lot of people on LinkedIn has known me for my monthly meetings where I do a training with my managers when I was regional, and then I would take them all to eat. And I like to call it... Um, teaching and feeding their minds, but then I'm feeding their tummies too, because food is a universal language for sure. So the teams do that across the board. Every single time we're pretty much on site visits, we're also taking the teams out to dinner afterwards. So then it's okay, we're doing the work piece, but now the personal piece, which is the most important part. How's your family doing? How was your day? What did you do over the weekend? Truly getting to know them overall as a person, because that's what influences their work life, right? It's your personal life. So there's a slew of things that we do overall at AL. And we also give back to philanthropies. We also have what's considered AL day, which I absolutely love. Every region has to give back to a philanthropy and that's your clear closing the office and you're giving back to the community. AL day is also where the offices are closed and every single region is going out and whether it's on a, doing the like day-to-day cruise boats, going to Top Golf, um, going out. They're just having fun with the teams overall to continue to foster that environment and those relationships. Awesome. Yeah. It, having yes. fun with people and like deviating a little bit from yes. everyday work and just hanging out. We did it that for the first time I met everybody in the company this last year, we had a gathering of everybody and we're we're spread out and we don't really go to the office. So it was really great to meet everybody for the first time. And we went to a baseball game together and we did some other just fun things together. So it was really great. And, and out of that, it's been very positive because it's as when you meet a person, when you hang out with someone, now you feel more, there's a level of like comfort in now approaching them that when you don't ever do that, they feel like a stranger, right? Like you don't want to, or you feel afraid to. 
So I think there's such a value in meeting a person face-to-face in the flesh. Agreed. Even like when you're working with like big organizations, it's like, all right, you're getting an email from this person and you can't read through like emotions on emails and stuff. So then when you actually get to meet them and you see how they talk, like when I speak with people that now that I got this new position, I have so many more members. I'm like, oh, I can see like how they're voicing their self in that email because I can see their personality. And I like to see that through because the most important piece. And then you get that sense of that person says, oh, it's nice to put a face with the name finally. Because then when I see your emails, I'm like, oh, this is how she meant it. Or this is how he meant it. Or I know he's smiling. And that kind of brings things full circle (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're just being sarcastic. Don't take it personal. That's your personality. Actually, It's not just me. It's who they are. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, there's actually one guy. He's uh, one of our developers, like product stuff. And it was really interesting to meet him because he he does have quite a personality, but he is a computer guy, right? Like he builds things, he codes and all this stuff. And there's a stigma on the type of people aren't social. They don't interact. So anyways, it was good to meet him. It's now I'm like, I can talk to him. I'd never really met him before. It it just has so much value and it's something we need to do. So it was great to do that. But you mentioned something and in your bio touched on it a little bit, but the idea of doing things that you're giving back. And it looks like you have a few things that you personally have that you spend time on and do directly in your community. And that was Second Harvest Food Bank and Adamant Health. So what is it? Is that tied to work in any way? Or is it just your work allows you to be able to do that? So um, it's something that I do on a personal level. My work definitely allows for me to do it. I do it um, alongside my church organization where we help out. We feed the homeless. We have a food pantry that we are active in. I've had some of the teams come out for our philanthropy day to come and see. It's just very eye-opening. It puts life in perspective, I should say, when when we're coming to work and it's a bad work day. We all had those, right? And it's, oh my God, I can't stand my job right now. The hard day that you're having at work, you think is like the end of the world and it's so hard. Someone is wishing they had that bad day because having the teams come, and that's one of the things that I love that AL does with the philanthropy movement, is having the teams come and being able to serve people um, and seeing the need that's really out there because we get into our bubble of this is my world and I'm the one that's in it and I'm the most important person. So I work with different philanthropy organizations like Advent Health and Second Harvest Food Bank to um, whether it's a clothing drive, a food drive to give back um, for Thanksgiving. We do a huge event where we're feeding the entire community. And typically we have over 400 people that come and we give them a grocery to go out to have a Thanksgiving dinner in addition to the Thanksgiving dinner that we prepare and serve for them there. We do a toy drive for Christmas. We have a back to school drive to give them the kids backpacks and supplies. So that's just one of the things where, you know what I'm saying, just serve one person. If you think about it, the amount of people you interact with every single day, it doesn't have to be the degree of feeding the homeless or going to a drive, but every little bit makes a difference because everyone in the world is going through something. So I definitely love to get back. One, it keeps me really well-rounded is where my heart is at and what I want to do. But most importantly, it allows for the perspective of just when you think you have a bad day, someone else has a worse. And really showing that to the teams as well. American Landmark is a huge advocate for giving back. We have certain programs as well that um, we do and we utilize for the communities. So just pairs hand in hand. It's just something that before I came into American Landmark, I was doing before because where my heart is at and will continue to do throughout my career as well. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're right. It helps you have a better perspective when it comes to when you have that hard day or 
when you think things are going bad or like in your job yes. or in personal life, when you get exposed to the things that are going on in other people's lives more regularly that aren't yes. positive or hardship or whatever, it does bring perspective. It definitely does. And it really, most importantly, it's the reminder of, because sometimes it's out of spite, out of mind. It's the reminder of when you are having a bad day and it's months down the road and you remember, oh man, like this, I seen this person or experienced this. It brings things back full circle to say, it's really not that bad because it's really not that bad, especially in the world that we live in. There are so many other things that are going on that are much more worse than a bad day at work for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for doing the work you're doing both personally and professionally. And when they collide, it's also that much more fun. And back to the organization that you helped start Latinas in PM. And if you live in the Orlando area and maybe beyond, I'm not sure how far out you guys have gone, but they have a bunch of events that they do and just in general support one another. So reach out to her and get information on how you can become networked and support one another in that way. So I definitely yes. want to plug that again. Yes. And check us out because in a few months, we're going to have a episode where it's me and Lizette and Joellis and Lori and I think Laura and who else? Yes. Laura is going to be there as well. We have quite a few other ladies that are joining us in. Hopefully their schedules allow for it. But Elaine's going to be a part of us as well. Elaine Maldonado, she's with RPM right now. So we have a lot of other people that are coming in as the advisory board as well. So there's so many exciting changes. And maybe we can do um, a joint venture with once we get our Latinos in PM, which is going to be our men's division up and running as well. So more to come awesome. on that, guys. Super exciting stuff that's coming along the way for 2024. Yeah, that's awesome. Lizette, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for everybody that watched and just helped make this such a great show for her. Thanks for supporting her. She is a boss. She's killing it, <laughs> what she's doing. She has a great story of how she's made this industry a career for her and is a great example to others as well. Thank you. If you want to be on Boss Talks, just like Lizette, just reach out. I want to know your story. I want to know what you're passionate about. I want to give you an opportunity to up your boss game. So come on the show and we'll make it happen. So thanks for yes. joining us today and make sure to check us out next Wednesday on Boss Talks. And thanks for watching. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out via email at info at communityboss.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also watch the podcast live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Community Boss LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Until next time, manage like a boss.